so high. Welcome to Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with... I'm Ryan from Fit for a Gang. And we're asking some questions today about their new album, The Hell We Create. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response to it so far? Uh, felt great. We just... Uh, on the I Prevail tour, it was like, do people like this? But that tour didn't have a lot of our fans. It was a lot of Pierce the Veil and I Prevail fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But getting to do like the most recent European tour... Was like okay, people actually like the record. They're singing it. Hell yeah! They weren't singing really much on I Prevail. They were more observing. I thought <laughs> so. I saw you guys on the I Prevail tour twice in Jersey and in Philly. I thought that especially in Philly, after the record was out, more people were kind of into you guys. Jersey was a little yeah. off, but Philly, it felt like people were were into you guys. Yeah, that's Jersey's off in general. I always jab at Jersey because Tuck lives there, so that's why I have people. <laughs> Fair enough, but the record's awesome. Oh, thank you. Uh, So are you able to touch on the theme of the album along with the title and how it ties along uh, to the lyrics and overall message of the album? Uh, The biggest theme of the record is like, or I guess the overall theme of the record is dealing with the hells that we create for ourselves, we create for others, and just kind of the health humanity has put ourselves in in general, like not that humanity is overall in hell, but there's scenarios, whether it's war, there are parts of the country or of the world that obviously probably feel like hell to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. just fortunate to not be in one of those areas. Yeah. And um, I'd say it covers those three things, which the first one would be like personal hells, which would be like anxiety. We, some people, including myself, I think a lot of people can relate to have uh, seen the worst case scenario in their head with every single situation. And it makes every day feel miserable because you're just waiting for everything to fall apart, mm-hmm. whether it's like a relationship or finances or really anything you could. I mean, I like had hypochondria issues and stuff like that, like thinking like any ache could be I'm dying. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. And then you realize the stress and anxiety you're causing yourself um, is probably killing you more than anything that's actually happening in your yeah. body. But uh, I'd say like just anxiety, we imagine the worst things possible in our heads and then it doesn't happen. And then you are like, wow, I dedicated sometimes years mm-hmm. to this idea mm-hmm. that everything was going to fall apart and then it worked out. Yeah. Or so that's just one i could go on with a bunch of examples on that the second is the hell we create for others uh which i saw that with our adopted children a lot with like the result of their parents drinking and abuse and stuff and like the trauma they've been through and how it just like because i grew up in a very like loving normal household my wife grew up in a very rough household so it's very uh contrasting how we both grew up and i think that's kind of good because i've kind of learned obviously it'll never be the same as a first-hand experience but kind of just hearing from what she's had to say about it and seeing what the kids uh the result of everything that's happened and realizing like man it's not just when you choose to drink or you choose to abuse substances or you choose to be abusive or just a bad overall person it's not just affecting you I'd say more like towards the substances and drinking because a lot of people are like, well, I drink because I'm depressed or I drink because this or I drink. It's like, but it's not just you that's being affected 
by that. Like if you have a partner, a lot of times if you drink, how how many bad stories have started with so I was drunk. Exactly. And yeah. Stuff like that. Um not saying like my th- stance on drinking, I'm not like anti-drinking if somebody I don't personally, but I'm always like, it's fine. I just don't think you should use substances if you're like depressed because I think yeah. it makes it worse and more addictive. Like mm-hmm. you should be in a good headspace before you do that stuff. Therapy and stuff is really important. And I think we kind of skip past therapy a lot of times mm-hmm. into uh, self-destructive habits and addictions, which it could be so much more than drinking or drugs. It could be, you know, like shopping stuff that you don't think is like bad and then you realize you have five maxed out credit cards and if you have kids or a partner that's another thing that you're kind of dragging people into this hell that you've created whether it's a financial hell um like irresponsible spending on top of abuse my wife talked about how she would come home and they just wouldn't have electricity or wouldn't have water because they spent money on alcohol which that could very easily go towards other things whether it's clothes or any other vice yeah yeah um so that's kind of the second level of things and then the third is societal like through politics how we treat each other how we treat our planet how we treat everything it definitely creates massive uh struggles for just overall people like i talked about other there's third world countries where all the mining and stuff is happening and it's little kids doing it. And it's like, that is kind of creating issues for other people for our convenience. And it's like, just thinking about the overall societal stuff about that. I'd say the record less focuses on that because I don't think there's much that can be done to change that at this mm-hmm. level. Um, like, are we going to stop using batteries yeah. So not. probably not. Um, <laughs> but we can definitely like work on ourselves and focus on ourselves. And I think this record has a big nod to like the importance of mental health and therapy and taking care of each other and really thinking through how your actions could affect people that love you around you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for this album? The process was pretty similar to the last couple records. We wrote it in the studio completely, Um, which we're changing up on the next record. The issue with this was the pandemic. Nobody wanted to write. Um, It was not a good spot to write in. Anxiety, depression and stuff. Like I know it makes a lot of people are like, well, that's what makes the best lyrics. It's like, yeah, but when you're depressed, you don't feel like getting up out of bed. Exactly. Kind of hard to write and be productive. But it did help because when we, we got to the studio, it was after the first tour back from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was like hope and I was able to digest everything that had happened mm-hmm. through the pandemic. And it made it a lot easier to talk about because I wasn't in that space as much anymore. Like I got a therapist, obviously touring, coming back, um, really lifted a lot of the depression because I think also, people are like, well, you probably wrote all the time during the pandemic. And it's like, not really, because I didn't know if I'd ever even get to play music again. I didn't even yeah. want to spend time. And it honestly just depressed me more, like, writing. Because oh, wow. I was like, I won't even get to play this. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even matter. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's crazy. So I think taking the, because per- I love per- performing. 
And it's like, if you take the performing out of it, it's like, eh, I don't really feel like Why writing. Why bother? Yeah. 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 Like, I never wanted to just be like, our band tours a lot. And a big part of that is some people are completely happy just writing, putting up videos on YouTube, all that. And I'm kind of the opposite where I hate, I'm not a huge fan of like the studio setting. I love the live setting. And what gets me excited in the studio is the idea of playing. And it like pumps me up before while writing, like, Oh my God, this will be so cool live. Like, could you picture this? Or the, So it's like, this will be a cool circle pit part. This will be <laughs> take away all that. And it just feels like more empty. Not that playing live gives songs meaning as like, a subject matter but it takes away almost like the therapeutic aspect makes sense for me so like obviously it, it sounds like you kind of lost your motivation during the pandemic but you guys put out a record in the pandemic so like what was kind of the idea behind that since like you you didn't know if you would ever be able to play it you know well we recorded the path one month before the pandemic so it was completely finished mm -hmm. and we held on to it for a year hoping that touring would come back and then when it got to like september uh so this was probably about nine months into the pandemic or something or maybe like seven eight months into the pandemic mm -hmm. like we just we have to release something like and none of us had the motivation to like make a single and we were like, well, we have this whole record, which is oddly a really positive record because we wrote it before everything yeah. happened. And we're like, yeah, I don't know, maybe people would like a record with a positive message behind it. And it kind of, we got to do the virtual concert, which isn't as fun as play. people are like, you should have just do more of those whenever we were doing it. Like, I was like, yeah, that it's cool and all, but it takes way more work and it's not near as fun. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's not even a crowd. You're yeah. just playing in front of like three camera people. Just like playing, filming a music video. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and it takes like all day. Like I think it took one or two days to get stuff set up and to get like, just get everything ready. Cause we didn't have like the flying people in at the time was not easy because of the pandemic. So we, had to really condense down the crew we brought out and then venues had social distancing rules. So you couldn't just have a, but so we had to like really slowly do everything. And so when people were like, that could be a substitute for touring, like no, and nobody's <laughs> sitting at their computer thinking it's a substitute either. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, the thought behind releasing it was a, it was already recorded. And I knew we were going to have a lot of content. If I was like, if touring comes back, I know I'm going to have a lot to write about between the kids and the pandemic and everything. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to put out this record when things come back because there's so many other things I want to talk about or that I know I will want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So we were like, let's just put it out. And if touring come back, comes back, cool. If not, we put out a record and it's positive and hopefully people can use it to feel a little uplifted during a rough time. That makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, so what song off this album took longest to write, and which one is your personal favorite? I'd say the longest to write, as funny as it is, because it sounds like Breaking the Mirror times like this uh, probably took the longest to write, because it started off as like a hard rock song, and then we had like nine versions of it, and we weren't sure 
it literally sounded like some weird disturbed song uh, <laughs> before. It's crazy to think that it would sound like that. Yeah. But uh, we, I went home to see the kids on a weekend during the studio. And then they, I got a Dropbox link, Dropbox link like two days after I left. And I was going to come back Monday and they're like, hey, we reworked the song. And then it sounded like it does now. And I was like, oh, this isn't even the same song anymore. But this sounds way more like a Fit for a King song. So uh, that makes sense. And yeah, that one took the longest, I would say. All right. Mm -hmm. And then personal favorite. My personal favorite. I like what you left behind a lot. Um, I love I'm like a sucker for orchestral stuff and metalcore. I think it's so cool. Like what a lot of what Architects does on some of their records and stuff like that. I think it's awesome. Bring me the horizon does a lot of it. I think it's cool. And obviously there's all the orchestral black metal bands and stuff to take influence from. So I'm not going to say like architects brought orchestra to metal and stuff <laughs> like that, yeah. but yeah. how those bands utilized it is really cool. And uh, I like the dynamics of the song where it has a lot of pretty singing, but then like a lot of riffs and a breakdown. It seems to be the most like interesting all the way through. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so how'd the track list of the album come about? Did you guys write the opener be the opener, closer be a closer? Did you shuffle around and see what fits? What was that process like? We definitely wrote the opener to be an opener. Um, that song went through. That's probably the second most changes of any song. That took forever to write. Um, the closer, I think we originally had talked about Reaper. Because we were like, oh, we'll do something crazy heavy, and then the album's just done. Mm -hmm. uh, but then after talking about it, we're like, it doesn't really match the mood of the overall theme of the record, and Reaper's kind of its own thing. So mm -hmm. we decided to put What You Left Behind at the end, because it's a very emotional record, and it's like, it needs an emotionally heavy part, not just a heavy, brutal part. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so Fit for a King has been a band for over a decade now. How do you guys maintain a fresh and relevant sound while also staying true to your roots? I'd say we listen to our fans a lot. Um, maybe too much sometimes where we drive ourselves crazy because <laughs> you'll have half of the people saying this isn't heavy and then half saying this is the heaviest song I've ever heard. So you don't really know <laughs> what to do with that. Yeah. Um, but we listen to a lot of, I'll look at, when we go to the studio, I try not to listen to other bands. I'll make a playlist before the studio of like influences. Like I'm already making an LP8 influence playlist on Spotify where it's like songs that I think are cool mm -hmm. that we could try like similar vibes and stuff. But once we enter the studio, I don't listen. Like I said, we have a million boxes showing up as a tour. So gotcha. Everything gets shipped to my house. There's a giant road case right next to me. That <laughs> my wife's like, so how long is that staying? <laughs> not, <laughs> not much longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so talking about staying relevant. Like, mm -hmm. staying relevant. Um, so when I enter the studio, and a lot of the guys will do the same. Well, they write the riffs. I write a lot of the lyrics and stuff. I try not to listen to anything in the studio except our own older music. Mm -hmm. um, because I want to remember, like, I'm like, well, fans really liked this old song. Is there a certain way I was screaming words? And was there, sometimes I overanalyze things. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
I want to like kind of put myself in the shoes of a fit for a king fan hmm. and uh, like what draws them to our band. And then we try to take that, put it on new records and then add new things to see like, how do you uh, all like this weird thing? Like the path is a really weird song compared to every other song we've ever written. Yeah. Um, same with songs, even like falling through the sky or locked in my head. Like we, didn't really do all singing songs in the past and we're locked in my head did really well. So we were like, let's just try another one, but with a heavier breakdown because some people complained that they wish they had a breakdown or they wish annihilation went into a bigger breakdown. So the record has a lot more like heavier breakdowns in it. So I think um, a lot of listening to fans feedback while also introducing new ideas and saying like, how do you like this instead of, a lot of bands will just say, let's just only do a new sound. And if you don't like it, deal with it Yeah, and kind of ignore what fans, because the way I look at it, like anybody that supported our band for the last decade, I want them to continue not just to support us, but I want to like honor their support by not just like getting to a certain point in life where I kind of just toss them to the side and be like, I want new fans now. I'm tired. Like that yeah. meme where he's throwing Woody away. Like I, I'm yeah. tired. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, do you, um, how do you kind of find that balance between like doing what the fans want and doing what you guys want to do? I think it goes back to the live show thing. Um, I wanted, I'm so motivated to do things. People love, obviously everyone wants their band to be successful. But also, the more people watching you, the more wall of deaths and mm -hmm. circle pits yeah. and sing-alongs. And, and it's like, so not only do I want lots of people at our shows because I want to be in a successful band for the rest of my life, I want to have the most fun possible every night on stage. And yeah. more people that love your music equals more fun every night. So Absolutely. it's like, how can I make people... <laughs> Oh, more packages. <laughs> All right, those are our tour radios. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just I wonder what the next thing will be. Big mail day today. <laughs> yeah, my wife will be pumped. She's out right now. She'll come back. Like <laughs> to a wall of boxes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just saying, so I think we balance it because a lot of times uh, the fans best interest is our best interest because we kind of want the same things. They want music that they really enjoy listening to. And I want them to want to come to our shows and go crazy so we can have a lot of fun. And, um, and I guess it sounds weird cause it's like, well, doesn't everyone, every band want that, but it's like, I hear bands going softer and I'm like, that just sounds fun in the studio, but you can't beat the energy of super heavy live metal music. Yeah. And I don't want to ever lose that. Um, and also it gets harder as you put out your seventh and eighth record because not everyone's going to be happy. And sometimes it's hard to tune out the people that are saying like, they used to be so good. What happened to them? Mm -hmm. And that, because then you start overthinking things. And we cared way too much, I think, on this last record. But that's another subject. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time? Should you do it in the car with friends and talk with headphones on? Is it a workout album, party album? What do you personally recommend? I say first listen, like laying down, eyes closed with some like 
put on some noise canceling headphones or ones that don't let in a lot of noise and just uh, really try to absorb the emotion from the record. Mm-hmm. And I do think if you're just like, it has elements once you're done doing that first listen, like you can go listen to Reaper and work out or eyes roll back and stuff. But I think first listen, truly understand the meaning. That's the best way to just try to, I tried really hard to pronounce the lyrics too. So <laughs> yeah. they need to appreciate them. Hell yeah. Exactly. Worked hard for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this one's to be super, super quick off the top of your head. I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words, no more, no less. Let's see. I was thinking of doing the Dwight Schrute thing where he says, like, I forgot what the three Bears, beats, Galactica. Oh. There's that, but he says something else, and Jackhammer's one of them. But that would just be funny. <laughs> um, I would say, obviously, emotional. I'd say it's vulnerable. It's a very vulnerable record. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I'd say dynamic there's the record has a lot of different sounds on it and i don't think if you listen to it all the way through that you'll get fatigued which sometimes when you listen to records if it's too similar the whole way through you start just getting tired or it's like weird because your ears will just get tired if it's like too much for eight straight songs exactly it just turns to mush yeah yeah so i'd say yeah there's three words all right. Uh, so in that same train of thought, is there a certain feeling or emotion you want listeners to have while going through the album? Um, I'd say it's hard because the songs all have pretty different emotions and I don't want anyone to be sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want them to be depressed while listening <laughs> to the song. No, I just want uh, people to be receptive and really understand that uh how even if you think a song sounds generic or even if you're like oh this isn't heavy enough it's so much more than uh the sound of the song and so being receptive to the meaning above all oh yeah Mm -hmm. are you able to uh, talk about any particularly uh, challenging or standout moments from the creation of the album for us i'd say the hardest part was just opening up i'm not somebody that's opened up a ton. I grew up, like I said, in a very loving household and I was very fortunate. And so I never really felt I had the right to complain about anything, even whenever I was feeling down or depressed. Um, And I think that really weighed on me and caused a lot of in adulthood uh, issues with being able to open up and also deal with things because I just put it on the back burner and I viewed it as like when you have a cup and you, I had a lot of space because my childhood didn't, some people it's overflowing before they even get to 18 and they can't handle it. Um, Mine didn't overflow till the pandemic really. And I'm still kind of, and the issue was that I needed to talk to someone about it, but struggled and it wasn't until the studio which was after the pandemic was done that the band was really encouraging about opening up and i think uh yeah that was probably the biggest struggle and it got easier and easier the and i think the overall theme is it doesn't matter like if you're struggling you just should talk to someone it's the same reason you lose people like chester bennington and stuff because you look at him and say well he's a millionaire so he should just get over it yeah 
Um, I even saw it with that weird deep fake stuff debate going around and people were talking about because uh, one of the women streamers was crying because her likeness was used yeah. in explicit material and somebody said, you're rich, get over it. And it went super viral. And it's like, okay, so because somebody is in a good spot financially, it means they, it's it's weird, it can be exploited and stuff exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. Makes no um, sense. So it's, I think, really uh, accepting that those are two separate issues if you really want to talk about like a person's financial well-being and their mental well-being mm -hmm. they're not exclusive to not each other i think the stat was like if you make 80 grand a year you start seeing diminishing returns any dollar after that on like happiness mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of things like that like there's only so much in life that you are need to feel whole mm -hmm. and a lot of just because you um, have those things doesn't mean you get happier as you have more things. Yeah, It just means it may be you're 10% happier than another person. And I think that was me just telling myself like, you know, my issues are valid and everyone else's are, and I need to learn to talk about them, mm -hmm. but also be empathetic to people. You can do both at the same time, be empathetic to people that had it worse, but also be open about your own problems and take care of yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, then on a more positive note, do you have a favorite memory that you made while creating this album? Um, I just love hanging out with the band and hanging out with Drew. Uh, it's just every time we go to the studio, just every memory is we'll start off and get coffee, go get breakfast tacos and, or breakfast burritos because it's in L.A. And it's also in January, so it's like 70 outside, nice, oh, wow. which is great. Damn. The big reason we go to L.A. in January. Mm -hmm. Um. I just think the memories of just being there in general are great and something I'll always hold on to. Hell yeah. I love that. Uh, so picture this, you're on tour, you're at a gas station for a rest stop. What is your snack of choice? Um, I'd say if I'm trying to, you know what? We're not going to take health into account. We're going to be <laughs> trashy. All right. uh, let's see. I would love a protein shake for some reason i think they taste great like the core power ones taste yeah, so they taste good. great yeah yeah i'll even like one of our kids is having trouble gaining weight and i'm like drink this and he's like this just tastes like chocolate milk it's like exactly, exactly. and have two of those a day <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh then honestly i love microwave popcorn mm -hmm. the costco brand is crazy if you've never had it or if it's hot out, I like ice cream. One of those like ice cream cookie sandwiches. Mm. Nice. Obviously, I can't do that too often. I'm getting old, but they're good. Every once in a while, you know, you're on yeah, tour. It doesn't yeah. count on tour also. You know, you burn all those calories True. on stage. The rule also is if it's something is free, it isn't bad for you. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So like if your parents take you to dinner, you can eat whatever you want. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so on the topic of food, if the band was a dish, what dish would the band be and why? Honestly, uh, we, everyone in the band loves steak. Mm. So <laughs> probably a steak with baked potato. Okay, mm. nice. That sounds good. Um, so uh, I guess, I don't know if that's good or bad as far as representing who we are as people, but it sounds a bit very basic when I say it out loud. 
<laughs> so we're basic. No. Wait, that's... so do you only choose steak because that's just a, a common food that you guys like? Or is there kind of like a, a little deeper meaning under it? There doesn't have to be, but I'm just asking. I think, I think it's like uh, everybody's... It might be a mixture of carb conscious and also, <laughs> which we aren't anti-carb, but it's like, hey, it's like a solid meal that there isn't a bunch of bread. Because mm-hmm. sometimes on tour, like when you've been gone for 35 days, all the like bread and fast food and stuff really wears on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think like we we view it as like the treat ourselves meal. Like we'll find once or twice a tour, find a really nice steakhouse spend like a hundred dollars or so each and get a steak because if there's like a occasion to celebrate like in europe we found a really nice steakhouse in austria mm-hmm. that was from like local farms and stuff like that and it was a little pricey i had non-alcoholic wine it tasted weird oh. <laughs> but uh i was told it does not taste like wine by the other people <laughs> <laughs> so but it was just something like we're celebrating being back in Europe. So it's always like we view it as like fine dining, but also you can go to Texas Roadhouse. Love Texas <laughs> Fair enough. Roadhouse. Fair enough. Yeah, Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> that's like I'll spend twenty dollars at Texas Roadhouse and usually be as content as like a sixty dollars. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for the last couple of questions, we're going to shift completely away from music and go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Ooh. So, because you really don't care about health conscious stuff. If you're on no. death row, you're just going for it. So I'm going to go with, there's a place in a DFW called Babes that does fried chicken dinners. And they do like cream corn, mashed potatoes, green beans, all you can eat. Oof. And then they give you, you just choose if you want fried chicken, chicken tenders or whatever. And I don't know what it is. But it's the best fried chicken ever. So, but I always feel guilt after going because I eat weight because it's all you can eat sides. Exactly. And then you challenge that. That's they say the you chicken's too. not all you can eat, but what? If you ask the nicely. amount they give you is so ridiculous that, like, if you get the chicken strips, they give you 10. Oh, wow. So it's like if you eat 10 of the chicken strips, then, and if you get like the fried chicken, they give you like, Two breasts, two thigh, two drumsticks, two wings. It's a whole so chicken. It's like, Christ. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, it's not all you can eat. But I was like, if you finish the whole thing, which if I was on death row, I'd probably just go ahead and go for finishing Absolutely. the whole thing. But yeah, I'd say something about like a really like home style fried chicken meal sounds great. All right. Amazing. And then your drink. I really like this it's sparky's root beer it's from uh pacific grove california mm-hmm. which is where i was born but i moved when i was three so i try not to like say yeah it rips pacific grove really <laughs> but it's kind of it's like two hours south of san francisco mm-hmm. um it's gorgeous and they have this local root beer that is just nuts so i'd get that that's very specific but my parents so every time we would visit my gra- grandma there or something i would get it and looking back, they probably shouldn't have given a five-year-old a root beer, but that's probably like jumping off the walls and stuff. It was yeah. a treat, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it was a treat. So, <laughs> but yeah, every time I go back, I have one. Nice. Good. Uh, so if you could live in one fictional world for a week, where would you live? 
honestly, I know this is controversial, but we're talking specifically about the world. Mm -hmm. I always thought it'd be so cool to go to Hogwarts. Yes. Like just that world in general, like being a student at Hogwarts, aside from the fact that they're almost killed every single year. So you're like, (laughs) I saw somebody say, are there mass spellings at schools (laughs) or at Hogwarts? And I was like, that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) What um, what else? Technically, there is one every book. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What, um, what Hogwarts house are you? I think I took a test and I was Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. Because I was thinking of the other worlds. I was like, because I really like, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. And I was like, living in Lord of the Rings, like Middle Earth would suck. Yeah. So I don't want to live there. No, no, not at all. I mean, the living with the the hobbits would be cool. You know, in the Shire, because you get it's like all peaceful 20 there. Meals. Exactly, twenty meals. No one really bothers the Shire. It's if you leave the Shire, yeah. it's where like all the destruction. You just don't is. leave. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a week. But I think Hogwarts, like Harry Potter universe, is because you can just go decide to go to the normal world again. Like if it's getting a little too heated over yeah. the wizard world. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to bounce real quick while you guys deal with the basilisk. Yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll be back and in a couple I'll... hours. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I have not asking the last question and every single person that we've spoken to have said that it is the most important question. What's your favorite color? I will go with blue. Cause now I'm, it's funny because I was basing it off Magic the Gathering. I don't need to do that. That's a problem. <laughs> I'm going to get, I'll go with red. I've said red my whole life. But lately, I love white on black oh. stuff. Like white, when I see like the car I just got is white with black rims. Mm. And I just love white. And I've got like blacked out the emblems on it. Because I just. That's clean. Everything I have is like the PlayStation color scheme but basically <laughs> but i don't know i just think white and white on black is clean looking on almost everything all Absolutely. Right. uh so as i said that's all the questions you have today is there anything that you would like to plug um i guess i gotta plug our headliner i assume uh, this will be out either before or during it so it's uh gonna do really well i think right now there's gonna it's on pace to sell out every day except Two or three. Jeez. So Damn. hopefully people that hear this go get their ticket before they get really sad. Yeah. I, I missed out on Philly, so listen to his warning. Hey, go, tra- go travel to New York City. There's still like 200 left there. All right. Damn, guess you're going to New York, Shane. <laughs> uh, go pay those tolls. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for now. It's been Ryan from Fit for a King, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast.